Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Robert Puckett, Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley. And today we're talking about those little flying bugs that hang out in your house. And it doesn't really matter the time of year. Sometimes you call them gnats. Sometimes we call them flies. But there's a whole host of them. So let's talk about what kind of flies do you often see in the home? Let's make this about small flies. Because there's big flies and we can do another episode on that one. But the small flies in my house, I have taken up a lot of house plants. Apparently this was like a thing during quarantine. A lot of people started doing house plants and I was one of those, much to my husband's dismay. I have to be very careful about fungus gnats. Fungus gnats are going to be a small black long-legged fly and you often see them hovering around house plants. And usually when you get fungus gnats, it's because you're overwatering. So the adults themselves are not feeding on fungus. That's not where the name comes from. But the larvae or the immatures are in the soil of the houseplant feeding on fungus and stuff like that that's in the soil. So if you are overwatering your houseplants, then it can lead to fungus gnat problems. The other thing that you have to be careful about with houseplants is if you have the trays underneath them that catch the water when you water them, make sure that you're cleaning those on a regular basis because that can also build up algae and stuff like that that can lead to other issues with either fungus gnats or other types of small flies. And you know, one place that I get fungus gnats, we have a pet frog and then I have some tarantulas and hissing cockroaches. The frog is Charlie's and the the younger one. And I have literally brought it back to life twice now because she isn't a very good frog owner. CPR? It was cold and I held it in my hot little hands and I breathed my breath on it and I brought him back, brought him or her back to life once. And, and then she dehydrates it all the time. But you know how, you know, when you have like a reptile or a little animal in a cage, you have usually that coconut base or that soily the coconut matrix. core. Yeah. And if I water that too much, then I'll get fungus gnats and I get it in the office in the wintertime, especially, I guess, because we have the heat on instead of the AC to suck up some of that moisture. Um, also at home when the frog wetness gets t- you know, out of control. So even if you don't have house plants, if you have something that has soil in the bottom of some aquarium type thing, you can still get fungus gnats. Yeah. I get fungus gnats. Now this is going to be weird because most people don't have this in their homes, but I get fungus gnats in my termite colonies that I have. (laughs) Really? Because it's, you know, it's that whole moisture thing. And one of them are the cone nose or the, the ones where they have the horns. And so they feed on more decaying vegetation. And so they have uh, leaf litter and bark and things like that in there as long as, and paper towels. And so I'll mist it and, you know, the fungus gnats just go nuts. Yeah. But, you know, most people don't have termite colonies that they keep in their house, which is probably a good thing. No, but I mean, so what I was thinking was typically when I have a problem with fungus gnats because of my travel and stuff, sometimes it, it comes from the organic matter, like in my kitchen sink. That can lead to 
all types of other small flies. That's right. And I think, I think listeners will pick up on the fact that most of the drivers of the, the populations of these species of flies that we'll talk about today have to do with decaying organic matter, whether it be animal or plant matter. From a management standpoint, this is one of the first things we, we talk about when somebody calls. I'm sure you guys have these conversations all the time. People call and they say, well, we've got these flies and the first step is figuring out what they've got and then what organic matter they're using to, to develop in. And I think that's a big, big part of the management discussion. I'm sure, sure we'll dig into at some point. So a lot of people are like, well, why do you need to know what small fly it is? It's just, it's a small fly or a gnat, but it's important to know what type you're dealing with because that can help us narrow down where to send you to look for that source of organic matter, because mm-hmm. some of them will come from drains. Some of them will come from fruits. Some of them can come from houseplants. So knowing what type of fly it is can really help narrow that down. So you're not having to tear apart your whole entire house. Right. Because one thing we're not really saying is it's all about source reduction for fly control. If you eliminate the source, then they can't breed anywhere. They'll eventually die off. But if not, there's nothing you can just do to spray in the air and try to kill them. They're still going to be laying eggs and reproducing and coming back if you can't figure out where they're doing that. That's right. I think all the species that we'll address today, these are animals that live outside in nature, right? So we open our homes, open a door, they slip in. If it's a gravid female, she finds a place to lay eggs and they're off and running. There's a population now in your home. I think this is something that sometimes is surprising to homeowners, right? Like a lot of these, they they can find all of these flies that are in their house. They can find them out in nature, right? And they're just slipping in. And so if you don't remove that source of uh, material that they're developing in, then others can come in and do the same thing. Janet mentioned stuff coming from drains. So Molly, what other flies would come from drains? The main ones are drain flies. And don't forest flies breed in drains sometimes too, when you've got a lot of that organic matter in there. Mm-hmm. Um, some, And then also sometimes you'll get like little fruit flies too, I think. Anything will breed in a drain. But there's one specific one I think you're alluding to, Wizzy, and those are drain flies. And they're kind mm-hmm. of like a mothy. Sometimes they're called moth flies. They look like a teeny tiny little moth. They look like a, an upside down V or like an airplane when they're resting. And it seems like they like to rest at eye level. So I see these usually at rest stops, you know, on the gas stations and things, but also 24 hour restaurants where they have a hard time getting things really clean because they never shut down in order to be able to do that. And also they'll breed in mops. I've had hospitals have issues with it. It's just wherever you've got gunk that breeds and drains, they love to breed in that stuff. Those ones I think are probably my favorite small flies because I just think that they're so adorable. I mean, they just, they're all fuzzy and they've got these like Hairs coming off their body and they're just, they're just so cute. I love them. They have like a little mop head on top of them. (laughs) So they're really cute until you work at a wastewater treatment plant. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, they're still cute. (laughs) If you're at the wastewater treatment plant, it's just not fun dealing with the hassle of having them everywhere. So the other fly and this one, it, it kills me how many names it goes by though. Ford flies, scuttle flies, humpback flies, or coffin flies. I mean, my personal favorite is coffin fly. Yeah. Coffin fly. Because that's just such a conversation starter, you know? It is. How is that not a conversation starter? So tell me, I mean, I have in my mind why I think they're called coffin flies, but what are, why are they called coffin flies? Yeah. So, so Molly, um, yeah, that's an interesting common name for these guys. There are particular species, this family um, that are known to uh, the females will make their way into the soil and lay eggs on human cadavers or other, other animals that are buried 
uh, in the ground. And so the, the larvae develop on the organic matter that we provide them. So are these also the, the same as cheese flies? Remember cheese flies that go after like the body after it's kind of turned cheesy after it's decayed? Uh, yeah, it's, probably, it's probably just another common name. Yeah, yeah for, <laughs> that's, that's really gross, Molly. It is. That um, is fantastic. Is. I'm bringing <laughs> back. Awesome. I have, I'm thinking of Dr. Olson right now. And we, we should have put like a, a waiver or something at the beginning <laughs> of this or, you know, don't right. listen to this episode while you're <laughs> eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or if you're dead. Um, yeah. Well. <laughs> so Janet mentioned all the, the common names that these guys go by. So forehead fly is among entomologists is probably the most commonly used common name for this group of flies, but that just refers to the family. So they're in the family Foridae, P-H-O-R-I-D-A-E. And it's a really big group of flies. Um, so there's, there's lots of different species and they all kind of have different life strategies. And not all of them are bad, right? That's right, right. Some of them are very beneficial. I'll, I'll talk about those in a minute. But then the, the, the scuttlefly name sort of refers to the fact that these guys will spend, as adults, they'll spend a lot more time crawling around than they will fly. Yeah. So, that, so they have this strategy of just crawling around. It's um, more energetically efficient for them. And then humpback flies, almost all species of forids, if you look at them from the side, you can see that they've got a little hump on their thorax. Actually, it's pretty dramatic um, when you see it from the side. And then they got really tiny heads and a big hump on their back. And so that's where they get the other common name that um, they're frequently referred to as. So like I said, they, they do all sorts of different things. The majority of the ones that we deal with is pest insects. These are flies that the females lay eggs in, again, decaying organic matter. And that can be uh, animal tissue or, or plant matter. And their populations can grow re really quickly. In fact, they're, they're a problem even in like in our, our laboratory. So where we have, you guys were mentioning colonies of termites earlier. And so, so our ant colonies are frequently infested. The food that we provide the ants becomes infested by forehead flies. Um, Megacelia is the genus that, that gets into a lot of our homes. I get them sometimes in, again, more things that people don't normally have in their house, but I get yeah, them yeah. in my cockroach colonies. Uh, so yeah, when yeah. larger cockroaches die and I sure. leave them in there and they don't dry out fast enough. Then the forward flies, you have all those maggots crawling around in there and they're flying everywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. So this actually leads to a bit of a conversation about what to do post-pest management in your home. Let's imagine you had a cockroach infestation. Uh, you hired somebody and they baited your cockroaches and now you've got cockroach cadavers around your house, right? Get rid of those because um, those can serve as a food source. Uh, Wizzy mentioned earlier, there's some groups of forward flies that we think of as beneficial. There's a genus called Pseudactyon and those, our listeners have heard of the biocontrol program for red imported fire ants. These are actually parasitic flies that parasitize red imported fire ants and were released in the U.S. as a biosuppression tool for our populations of invasive fire ants. So they're not all bad. Again, for these guys in your home uh, or in your business, if you have these or, or, you know, anywhere that they're causing a pest problem, think about source reduction, right? Think about organic mat. Where might these guys find some organic matter in your home? And most people think, well, I've got a very clean home, but the reality is, you know, you stuff falls behind the trash can or, you know, gets lost in the pantry. Well, th these guys are very good at finding those resources. You know, if there's a, a potato that gets out of a sack in the pantry. When I was working in pest control, there was a place that we went to and they were having this horrible, horrible forward fly problem and they could not figure out what it was. And it was coming from a lemon slice that fell in this crack between counters. And it was this massive population. But as soon as as we discovered that and we got rid of it, their problem went away. 
So it doesn't have to be a big source to make a lot of flies. Tiny, tiny flies. So it doesn't take a lot. As you run stuff down your drain, a lot of us have PVC pipe that comes all the way up. And often there's a little gap between, um, you know, the drain in the sink and the PVC below. And just the biofilm that accumulates there can be Mm -hmm. enough to support a population of flies. I like to call that the gunk in your drain. The gunk. It is. That's right. The gunk. (laughs) The slime layer. Yeah, it was a really, really high tech um, pest control practice for removing that material. And it's, uh, you know, like a 99 cent scrub brush that you get down to <laughs> your drain. You know. That you only specifically use for your drains. You don't want right. to use that on your dishes then. Hmm. Yeah. Janet, in schools, a lot of times they have like cracked tiles and things in the kitchen, right? And even in restaurants, but there's like a cleaner you can use, right? That will eat away. It's an enzyme, I think, that eats away at that stuff. Can people get it like normal homeowners? So for our listeners who can't see us, um, once upon a time, I used to have very long hair. And even in my older home, making sure that I did use an enzyme cleaner in my shower because hair will build up and doesn't matter if it's yours or your kids or, or you have a pet and you do a lot of dog grooming and stuff. Bleach going down a drain does not work, but using some of these bio enzyme cleaners and not liquid plumber or something similar to that. There is a, it's called a biosome. Um, they're enzymes. So that's an easy way to clean all of that organic matter that can build up. And then, you, you know, making sure you keep water in your drains as well. It is in the plumbing aisle at the box stores, right? But it's a drain cleaner, not Drano, not a clogger. It's a drain cleaner. And generally, like I said, it comes bio enzyme. I'm, I'm trying to visualize what I've seen at the store. Yeah. I've seen them liquid, but then also like a little granule. And then you dump it down the drain, fill up the drain, let it sit for like eight hours. So you do it overnight. And I guess it eats away at all that stuff and flushes through. And that's nice. I mean, you know, it's be- especially if you do the enzyme stuff. Because if you're on a septic system or, you know, trying to stay very green and not put a lot of chemical, all you're really trying to do is as stuff goes down your pipe and most homes, you know, you're looking at an entry hole of, oh, four inches. Well, you think about all the gunk that goes down there and it just keeps going. (laughs) So moving from drains... To, to the other small fly that we typically have problems with is the fruit fly. So they are going to be drawn to typically overripe fruit. Again, they're small. Their wings are kind of folded over their back. A lot of them will have red eyes, but not all of them. And they're kind of a yellowish brown color. But what I typically do... Either I put the fruit and vegetables into the refrigerator to keep them in there, but if they're not fully ripe yet... The best thing to do really is to put them in a paper bag and clip that shut. That way it can ripen, but it's not going to be accessible to the fruit flies. And so that's a way that you can kind of avoid that you're going to get this big infestation. The other thing is when you're at the store shopping, make sure that you're not buying that overripe fruit (laughs) and bringing them home with you because that... That can be an issue. So you do need to pay attention to which one you're buying. 
they're outside, right? And so certain times of the year when you have fruit falling off of trees, like I think of persimmon in our area and that falls on the sidewalk, gets all mushy and gross and the fruit flies are attracted to it. And maybe you have a persimmon right outside your back door. Um, You have a barbecue, everyone throws their beer cans in your back trash can. You forget to throw that out. They just build on their own. So I hear people all the time say, I'm never going to that grocery store again. All I get is fruit flies. Well, it could just be coming from nature. It could be coming from outside, inside too. Absolutely. Molly, I was thinking about this. Did you guys get tons of calls about small flies in homes? But always like in the beginning of the summertime. Uh And I don't know what it is. I equate it to you're spending more time outside. It's hot. You're throwing your beer and your wine. You're you're barbecuing. You just, the food is right there by your house. So the other place you guys have neglected, but if everybody's got gardens, how about you compost? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you've got the indoor vermi, which is worm composting, or you do the little organic, I put all my stuff in this little mini trash can and I mix it up on my kitchen counter or I go full bore and I do it outside. It's all organic matter. I had this idea this year and it was just, I had a chance observation in our neighborhood. Everybody had these flies in their homes. You know, I was also being bombarded with calls and and emails at work for about, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks. And I noticed we still have areas where we've got dead, decaying grass from the freeze. So we had this freeze over the winter that actually killed a lot of lawn cover. And I think a lot of that material breaking down, there were things like fungus gnats and other flies. And I think we just had these massive populations around our homes because of this breeding source. This is just a hypothesis. I can never test it or prove it unless we have another 100-year freeze in my lifetime. Plus all that rain we had too, just yeah, really the rain, breaking e- that exactly. down. Exactly. It was like a perfect, sto- mm-hmm. perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And another thing to mention, so, so I know this from personal experience, but also professional experience, trash can. So, so many of us put our trash and recycling bins in our garages. They go out on the street and they sit there for, you know, as long as your HOA is willing to tolerate them. And they've got all this gunk in them, right? And the flies get in there and then we bring them into our garage and we post them up for a week or two. The flies develop, they emerge as adults and now they're kind of around the garage. You open the door and off they go. So this is something to think about, cleaning out your trash cans, removing the gunk from your cans. When your garbage or recycling gets dumped, you know, I try to do this especially in the summertime, I try to do it every couple of months, at least. Um, if something funky is really in there, then I'll do that. But get out that garden hose, put that spray nozzle on it, hose that sucker down and remove all of that gunk. And sometimes I'll actually throw some dish soap in there and get a scrub brush and actually scrub it out because it just gets really bad. So we've been talking a lot about source reduction after you already have a problem. What are some things that you guys do or that you would recommend others do that would maybe ward off possible issues with small flies? If I know I'm going to be out of town for a while, I mean, one of the things you can do is put water down the drains, but if you've got stoppers, put stoppers in all of your your drains so that the water stays in. And again, you don't come home to something blooming and don't overwater your plants. And, you know, exclusion practices, right? Making sure all the door sweeps around your house are intact and operational, weather stripping, trying to prevent them from getting in. And then, of course, just being thoughtful about how you process foods into your house. You, you talked about this, Wizzy. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the case that we get we get a lot of insect pests from the supermarket. I mean, that's just the reality. Uh, but if, you, if, you think, if, you, if you're thinking about this as you're buying food or bringing it in, 
um, you can prevent some of that, but, but maybe not all of it. When we get fruit flies, it's always in the weirdest spot that it's not where you normally throw food away. Like one time it was in our office and I finally went digging through the trash can and realized that my husband had had like a soda or something and thrown it in there. You never get all of the drink out of whatever drink you're drinking. And that's where the fruit flies were coming from. Or one time it was because the, um, it was just gunk that was building up from when I would toss out the old bird seed from the bird. And I guess his little poop and stuff was sitting in that trash can and it didn't get dumped often enough. Or it's inevitably a kid's room where they threw away a banana peel and they never throw their trash out unless you tell them to. And then it just takes a few days and you've got flies. Or another one I see a lot of times in San Antonio, because we can't really grow a whole lot in our soil, but everyone can grow tomatoes. So everyone does. Well, before the birds and the other things get their tomatoes, people will pick it and like set it on a, a windowsill or on their counter. And then that they can't eat those tomatoes fast enough. So they start to rot and they have these major fruit fly problems. So like what Wizzy said, put it in a bag and let them, let them ripen up there, but you leave fruit out and you're always going to have fruit flies. I always try to encourage people to eat food in the kitchen and dining area of their house, because then you have the mess and spills and crumbs and everything in that one area to really focus on cleaning. Now, does that happen in my house? Absolutely not. Because, you know, the husband and the kid are all over eating whatever, and they are of the type of person that wherever they stop is where things get put down. It's a challenge. (laughs) But, you know, cleaning those things up as soon as possible, if you spill stuff, clean it up, reducing all of that gunk. Something that I do want to mention that I just thought of ice maker. You know, we have a countertop one that makes the the rabbit turd ice like that you can get at Sonic, which is amazing. I've never heard it but called you that. Also have pardon? I've never heard it called it's, that, but that's rabbit turd ice. It looks like rabbit turd. So accurate. <laughs> but you also have ice makers in freezers and stuff like that. So when organic matter builds up in those lines that can lead to fly issues. And this happens a lot of times in like restaurants and commercial areas and stuff like that, where they have the soda machines and stuff like that, but it can also happen in homes. So if you're not cleaning that out on a regular basis, you need to make sure that you know, you change filters or drain lines or my countertop ice maker. I do a cleaning cycle, try to do that once a month where I run kind of like a diluted bleach solution through it to kind of get any gunk out of there. So that is another possible area that you can look um, because you might be having problems with it. Well, and that's a good point to bring up because a lot of offices, even though not everybody's back in, but, you know, if your office has got a a water dispenser or a coffee maker or something like that, I mean, those are good places as well if there's not live plants. I mean, those are the three areas generally are the food, the where you have a water source, and then where, excuse me, you would have some type of organic matter. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Unwanted Guests. Remember, to get rid of your small fly problems, you need to locate the source, which is usually moist organic matter, and then you need to get rid of it and clean that area. For more information, go to extensionentomology.tamu.edu. Catch you next time.